It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the fan-sided network as well. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Be sure to follow us. We are just a day and a half now away from the start of Miami Dolphins training camp. Finally, Paul, this is – see – the way I look at the season is the start of training camp through the end of the NFL draft is football season, not this September through, you know, late January, early February nonsense. So, you know, I, a lot of interesting stories going on here as the Dolphins approach training camp. Yeah, I'd, I'd go one step further from uh the effective start of the league year till the effective end of the league year, the day before the start of the new league year, that's football season for me. Do you uh, follow any other sports? What's, what's <clears throat> I your actually second do. favorite? Um, See, I don't. I I used to be a decent baseball fan. Um, I mean, I'll go to a game or two a year. Um, I actually, I mean, God, I coach football and basketball um i've actually started following the nba again a little bit when the winter olympics comes on i'll watch curling um i watch a lot of stuff dude like it's it's insane no i don't uh <laughs> i'll go to a i'm in st louis i'll go to a cardinals game every now and then that doesn't that's, count as a sport that that's fun yeah it really does i mean I just can't get into any other sport. When I I can name more players on the Arizona Cardinals than I can name in all of the other major sports combined. And when when it's that lopsided, I just can't do it. I just can't do it with other sports. So that's why we're so excited here about the Dolphins training camp beginning. So, you know, everybody knows the the common stories here. Uh, you know, Tua going into a second year for the Dolphins and and the success that that he's going to have here in the second year or, or what he's going to be aiming to have. And obviously the Xavier Howard situation, which we've talked to death over the last few weeks. But we're going to dig a little bit deeper into some training camp battles, as well as something we like to do as an exercise every year is heading into training camp. Who are the locks? to make the Miami Dolphins final 53-man roster as we stand today. Now, I know a lot of people will say, oh, well, nobody's a lock. Anything can happen in the NFL. Okay, let's, for argument's sake, let's say 90% or better percent chance of making the roster as it currently sits. No projected trades, nothing, just as it currently sits now. So, Paul, how many... What was, what was the number that you arrived at? Because we didn't talk about this beforehand. Hey, Dolphins fans. The Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, concerts, on the fin side. All of those are in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Fellas, do right by your balls and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going with the code FANSIDED20. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take the podium. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's got a 7,000 RPM motor, 
a new multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shape. Did I mention the trimmer's waterproof too? Michael Phelps is drooling just thinking about the possibilities. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. I know we will. So I arrived at 37 locks, which surprised me when I added it all up. And I struggled a little bit with that number because as I was working on this, I keep fluctuating more and more on the wide receiver room uh, as far as that goes. It's, I, I could, and I hate saying this, but I could even see a situation where for the right offer, they might move on from Parker, um, who I think should be a lock to make the roster. But again, Greer will wheel and deal anybody for the right offer. And Parker, depending on, with his health history, may be as, as high of a value as he could potentially be. Oh, I agree with you. And it, it's not, I, I was telling somebody earlier, I have this weird feeling like something might happen with Parker uh, and it's not based on anything. We're not, we're not hearing any rumors or anything, but I look at the dolphins going out and getting Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller in the off season and what they bring and their skill set. And then I look at Parker being that veteran contested catch guy that was from the previous regime and then, Paul, something you brought up to me this past week, uh, you know, the Saints now lose Michael Thomas for, uh, for the beginning of this, of, of this upcoming season. And their top wide receiver now is Traquan Smith, who <laughs> I, mean, I don't think he's had over 500 yards in a season. I know I think he had 700 one year. <clears throat> but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I don't think it's impossible. And we know Chris Greer likes to deal in August. Oh, he, he, Chris Greer loves to take advantage of uh... – unfortunate other GMs when when they hit a moment like this. I mean, <clears throat> Michael Thomas isn't just out week 1. He's probably out for for a while to begin the season uh from from all reports. And even if they have a healthy Michael Thomas, um they're still not in a great position. They don't have Drew Brees chucking the rock anymore. And outside of Michael Thomas, like you said, Traquan's their top guy. You can yeah, sure it's, uh, a lot of coverage Thomas's way. If Taysom Hill wins that job over Jameis Winston, it's going to be a lot of Sandlot football, let's be honest, uh, there in New Orleans. So, yeah, I mean, but Devontae Parker, uh, barring a trade and, bar, you know, in looking at this exercise here, is obviously a lock to make the Dolphins roster. And I, I really like Devontae Parker, just needs to stay healthy because, I mean, we're only a year and, you know, two years removed now from Devontae Parker leading all AFC wide receivers in receiving yards. So this is still a talented kid, only 28 years old. I mean, so anyway, uh, Paul, let's, let's take a look at, at your locks here. So you said you have 37. Yep. And I've got, I I arrived at 34. So there, but there were a few that were, were pretty borderline for me too. So no, I said 34, actually, no, 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 it was 34. So, 34 I have is lock. So let's let's go position by position real quick, if you've got that in front of you. Um, at quarterback, obviously, Tua and Brissett are, are the two locks. Now, 
pretty obvious there. Then at running back, obviously, Miles Gaskin is going to be a lock for both of us. Uh, I have Malcolm Brown as a lock, too, because, uh, I mean, if if the Dolphins went out and signed him as a veteran, you know, th- this offseason, I, in a worst-case scenario, even if he doesn't win the backup role, I think he's going to – I think he's, he's, he's obviously – going to make the roster i have him as a lock too are we clear on quarterback and running back so far um i had the i had i had Tua and jacoby at quarterback as far as running backs go i only had two and i had gaskin and dokes okay quite i mean if you look at if you draft the player you know, he's very likely to make your final 53-man roster. So I don't have him quite as a lock, but I, I can understand what you're saying there. Yeah, Wide receiver, you know, and for the purpose of this here, I've got Fuller on there, even though he's suspended for the first week. Yeah. So I've got four wide receivers as locks. Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Jalen Waddle. those three are obvious. I've also got Lynn Bowden, too, because Dolphins made a trade last year, traded a sixth-rounder. Um, or excuse me, they traded a fourth rounder for Lynn Bowden and a, and, a, and a sixth rounder. And when Bowden late in the season, when players started going down, he was on the field pretty much every play. He's got versatility as a punt returner, as a as a wildcat quarterback. So, you know, I, I've I've got four right there at wide receiver. And uh, this is going to sound absolutely boring. I, I'm right there with you on that. All right, tight end Mike Kosicki and Hunter Long. No fullback. No, no fullback. Me fullbacks. fullbacks are ridiculous. But we'll get to that. We, 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 I'll dedicate 30 seconds to fullbacks a little bit later in the show. So, uh, and, and that's it. And then we're done talking about them for the year because um, mm-hmm. fullbacks don't matter. Um, offensive line, um, six players I've got as locks. Austin Jackson, Solomon Kindley, Matt Skura, Robert Hunt, Liam Eichenberg, and Jesse Davis. How about you? This is getting real boring because I'm with you. Yeah, that's why we're going quick here. So, so we got six there. Um, defensive end, our edge, Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips I've got on there. And I'll have Van Ginkle too, but it's questionable if he's a linebacker or an edge player. So those are my locks there. So I, I broke mine out a little differently the way I, I listed them out. Um, uh, you know, because that, that right DN is really more a Wilkins mold as opposed to that left DN, which is more of an Ogba edge mold. So as far as the, the right D-end and defensive tackle goes, I've got three. And, and, and for that, I've got Wilkins, Sealer, and uh, Raekwon. And then as far as D-ends go, I classified Phillips as a D-end. Uh, Phillips and Ogba as locks. Yeah, so for the front seven, I'll do this a little different way because that's how we did our previous show. I've got Ogba, Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Zach Sealer, Jerome Baker, McKinney, and Andrew Van Ginkle as all my locks. Okay. Is there anybody else that you have or don't have on that list? Um, God, we broke it out differently. I've got to reassociate my brain here with my list that I've got, so apologies. Um, yeah, I've got Van Ginkle on there. I've got um, Phillips. McKinney, Baker, um, and then I also threw Shaquem Griffin on because I think he is going to be there on a prove-it deal because there's something that they saw in him. You think he's a lock to make the roster? 
90, 95% chance or better to make the roster. 90%. I, I think he is because I think with the contract that they signed him to, they want to see him for a year, and then he's done. Okay. I, I definitely didn't expect that. Yeah, I didn't uh, expect it either, if you asked me two days ago. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, no, that's uh, and that's, that, that's something we've got a lot to cover here, but Shaquem Griffin, Dolphins signed him, and – yeah, I, I could very easily see a role for him. He's a he's a pass rusher. He's a special teamer, not a down to down player. But the Dolphins play this positionless defense, get to the quarterback, and they place a high value on special teams. So I I do think he'll make the roster. I do. Uh, Locke, I'm not quite sure about, but we'll 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 see about that. Um, defensive back, I've got. Or actually, let's start cornerback. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Nick Needham, Noah Igbenogany. So I had five. I had Byron, Howard. Um, I had Joan, or not, geez, not, uh, Igbenogany. Uh, I had Nick Needham. And then I had, uh, I had, I had Coleman on there as well. Okay. I was close on Coleman. And, you know, he's got, I thought the Dolphins got him for a very good contract, so I'm I'm right there with you, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more when we when we look at the Nickelbacks as as one of the big competitions here in camp, and then at safeties, uh, Brandon Jones, Eric Rowe, Javon Holland. Yep. And then special teams, Jason Sanders, Matt Pilardi as the punter, Ferguson as the long snapper. Yep. Yep. So the only ones you've got on there are Shaquem Griffin and uh, Coleman. Uh, sounds like uh, and dokes and dokes yeah okay okay so yeah we're we're and paul and i did not go through this list beforehand so we're pretty much on the same page so i um, mean a couple a couple of guys i had that were right there were fluker who i know hammer asked about in chat um as well as i am pretty close on a guavin and and vince beagle as well um as being very close in that front seven to to being locks interesting um Beagle is somebody I think will make the team, and I was very close on him too. You know, the Dolphins got him back for a reasonable contract. They obviously felt that he'd recover from his injury, and he can play special teams. He can play edge. He can play off-ball linebacker. I thought he was a steal at that price. Um, yeah, so we're, we're really close on a lot of these guys here. So let's take a look here at some, at some training camp competitions. And we went through – we did another exercise on this where you you messaged me your top 10 training camp battles and I messaged them to you as well. We came up with a consensus list and the overwhelming top um, battles here, battle or battles was the offensive line. And, and it, it's there because this is the unit that's either going to protect or not protect to this upcoming season. And it, it's really odd because the Dolphins like big players along their offensive line who have versatility. And because of that, you might start to see a lot of different positions uh, and battles start, start to break out here. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, and given the flexibility of a lot of these players, it's not just, you know, like I know we've got it listed out with Jesse Davis versus Liam Eikenberg, but that's also DJ Fluker. And then, Jesse Davis versus potentially Solomon Kinley and, and Robert Hunt at, at the various guard positions. And, and I know in a previous episode, 
I even threw out the possibility that I could see them con- continuing to give a little poke and see to Jesse Davis at center. Um, you know, and, and I think you're going to see a lot of those truly the best five offensive linemen will start scenarios in the, in, this year. Absolutely. So out of all those battles here, I think it starts at right tackle because Jesse Davis is competing for that for that spot. Robert Hunt played it, and I think he played it very, very well last year. But the, always the the common theme with Robert Hunt is that he's a, a really good right tackle prospect but could be a Pro Bowl guard. And then you got Liam Eikenberg. And to me, Liam Eikenberg, it is really important that he wins that starting right tackle job because if he does, he can have that domino effect on the rest of the offensive line because it'll mean that Robert Hunt is going to be your right guard and it's going to mean that Jesse Davis is either going to compete with Solomon Kindley at left guard or preferably be the swing man across all five offensive line positions. So to me, that is the one most important battle of training camp. Liam Eikenberg winning that starting right tackle job. Well, that and Jesse Davis versus everybody. <laughs> let's, just, let's, just face, let's face it there. I mean, because even if, if Eikenberg doesn't win that right tackle job, the best line may end up with Jesse Davis somewhere else and, and DJ Fluker at right tackle. You know, it, it, it's we don't know that yet because of the positional flexibility along that line, which is utterly fascinating right now. I know everybody throws out that old adage every year of, oh, the best five linemen will start regardless of position. That's not true at all. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very much a scenario normally where, you know, there's a lane for each guy and, and in this scenario a lot of these guys have so many different lanes they could start in that it'll be very interesting to see how it shakes out i know we've got a lot of predictions that we've been making throughout the the off season yeah and we've agreed on that we've got six locks making the roster we've got austin jackson left tackle we've got solomon kinley a guard uh, matt skira um Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg, and Jesse Davis. Then after that, I think there there's an interesting competition between DJ Fluker and Jermaine Illuminor. And the reason I say it's a it's a competition is because I, I don't see the Dolphins keeping both of them because I, I don't see them keeping a veteran guard slash tackle as their eighth offensive lineman because you've already got enough to cover all those positions. You know, you've mentioned DJ Fluker a few times, and it's been said in our chat too. I actually think Fluker is going to get cut and Jermaine Illuminor is going to end up being that, that guard tackle. I was very surprised there wasn't more interest for Luminor here in the off season because when he got on the field for the Patriots, he didn't, he wasn't a great player, but he had guard tackle versatility. I thought he did a pretty good job for them last year. And he was really regarded as a raw player coming out of, uh, out of Texas A&M too. Yeah, and the one thing that I do see with Illuminor is he is a bit younger, so he may not have hit his stride yet, whereas you look at Fluker and he's 30 years old right now. So, I mean, it's... But I will say, Fluker looked like for the first time in his life he got in ridiculously insane shape this offseason. So, we'll see. Like, Because if Fluker comes out as, as that man monster, but, you know, jacked as all heck and a lot stronger than we've ever seen from him in the past, it may be a whole new ball game with him. 
it was a former first round pick and he's been around the league for a while. I mean, he's got that guard tackle versatility and anybody who's six, five, three forty is going to get on the dolphins radar pretty quickly. Uh, and Fluker and Illuminor basically signed the same type of contract one year, 1.1 to 1.3 million, somewhere in that range. Fluker got no guaranteed money. So if the Dolphins cut him, that's no big deal. Illuminor, they gave him $100,000 for his troubles for guaranteed money. I think that's the competition you're going to see there at at guard tackle as far as depth. Um, And another one, too, is Michael Dieter against really the field. But it's really Michael Dieter against Cameron Tom for that backup center guard spot. And... You know, as we know, Michael Dieter has had the opportunity to get on the field. He was terrible as a rookie and only played a handful of snaps last year. Cameron Tom, for people that don't know, he he's played for the Saints for a few years, only has one career start, but does have the measurables to to play the position. So I give the advantage to Dieter right now for that one of those final offensive line spots. I do as well. Um, but it, it, what it'll hinge on, too, is – like I said, I know they flirted with the idea of Davis at center in camp last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they actively pursue it this year. And if if Jesse Davis does end up doing a decent job snapping a football, Dieter may be out. Yes, yeah, possible. So, Paul, I'll put you on the spot. Week one against the Patriots, what is the starting five for the Dolphins? Uh, left to right, Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, Matt Skura, Robert Hunt, and Liam Eikenberg. I'm right there with you. And Jesse Davis may get one of those spots, but it would be a disappointment, really, if he did. And I think he'd just be keeping his seat warm. I agree. I agree. It, at the very least, I think you've got to have that lineup from left to right at some point throughout the season probably earlier rather than later. So we, we've talked about the offensive line here a lot. Number two for me, and we've we've talked about this list here, Jalen Phillips against Andrew Van Ginkle is another one that I look at. And, you know, it, it may not even be Phillips against Van Ginkle because if, if Phillips is up to the task and ready to go week one and impresses in preseason and training camp, which we expect him to, he's going to, um, he's going to be on the field a lot and Van Ginkle will too. But if Phillips is a little bit slower as a rookie, which we don't expect, but could happen, um, I think you're going to see a lot more Van Ginkle on the edge and uh, Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins, and Zach Sealer on the field there with maybe Phillips taking a little bit slower at the beginning. Potentially, um, but I think of the three, Van Ginkle's probably the most well-suited to occasionally drop into space. Um, and which will really upgrade his ability to rush now because now you can't even dedicate yourself to stopping his rush uh, because you may be blocking air because he's, he's just not coming. Um, I think I think Phillips is going to potentially swap in for Agba occasionally and occasionally line up somewhere on the outside over on Agba's side as well to really create some fun pass rush opposite Van Ginkle. Yeah, that that's that's a great breakdown of that. And, you know, Phillips has caught some people off guard and that's some, you know, on the depth chart he's projected as, as an outside linebacker. That doesn't really matter anymore, especially in this defense. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting that Van Ginkle is so much further along here in 2021 than we, than he was at the beginning of 2020. Um, and, and the Dolphins add Jalen Phillips on top of that because they have to get to the quarterback naturally and not have to blitz every down. Uh, and that's what they had to do a lot of the time last year in order to get pressure. So yeah, J- Jalen Phillips, I, I expect to play early. I expect to play often. I still love that pick there. Um, third, Brandon Jones against Javon Holland at the free safety spot. And I'll tell you what I think about it. I, I, I want Brandon Jones to win that, that spot there because Javon Holland, looking back at Oregon, you know, he was not only a playmaking safety, he had nine interceptions his final two years there at Oregon, but he also has that versatility to play that nickelback spot. So I would prefer to have somebody with Brandon Jones who looked ahead of the curve last year at that free safety spot. And then you've got Javon Holland battling for that fifth or sixth defensive back role. And he's going to be on the field a lot if that happens. I think that it may come down to uh, if Eric Rowe can fend off both of these young guys this year. Uh, I I think Rowe may see himself unseated, if not in week one, by about week six as, as far as these guys go. I think the fact that they've got the versatility there in the secondary to flip-flop who's doing what um, is really going to allow them to start taking this positionless defense really to the next level uh, as far as that goes. So I, I sure. think we could end up seeing a scenario where Jones and Holland both start and, and truly have flexible roles between the two of them. That's the goal because if in the middle or the end of the 2021 season here, if Brandon Jones and Javon Holland are your starting safeties, you not only have two really intelligent, good young players on a, on a defense that call that needs safeties like this. Uh, you look at the Patriots, they're always, you know, stacking safety on top of safety in this type of defense. And that's where Brian Flores comes from. Um, yeah. And I, that's really the goal. My question is, is it a, if we start hearing that there's competition for Eric Rowe's job in camp, then uh, that's, that's definitely going to be a good sign. Yeah, I think it is going to happen. Um, and again, it's something that I know I've said at other positions in the past, as well as you know, this this off season. If it's close, like to me, Eric Rowe needs to be above and beyond the clear cut winner for him to keep the job. Uh, as far as that goes, if it's anywhere close, you have to assume the upside of one of these rookies or the rookie or the second year player, sorry, uh, would be enough to unseat him anyway. And you just want to get the growing pains out of the way right off the rip. And and I think that may be a possibility. Yeah. It would be encouraging if it were, um, a more, uh, saturated competition is going to be to me at the, the, and this is all with the assumption that the Xavier Howard situation gets worked out and he's on the Dolphins roster here uh, in 2021, which I still believe is going to be the case. We're, we're not, that's not what tonight's show is about. If anybody has any questions about that, feel free to fire away on that. But um, Nick Needham right now is the Dolphins' fifth defensive back and nickelback. I'd say he has a very uh, – 
he it, he has a very strenuous hold on that position. But Nick Needham has also played almost four, 1,400 snaps in the last two years. He's been on the field a lot. And he, he has overachieved when he's been in there. I've maintained that the Dolphins could do so much better than him at a very important position. So I, when I look at this competition, Paul, um, as that fifth defensive back, fifth and sixth, Nick Needham, Noah Igbenogany, Justin Coleman, Jason McCourty, and Javon Holland. That, that's really good competition when you're talking about defensive back five through seven. And it also magnifies, too, why it's so important important for Xavier Howard to be here. Because if you've got Byron Jones and Xavier Howard at locking down those two cornerback spots, it funnels all that talent to this type of competition. It does. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's exactly where my brain went when you were talking about it was, you know, it, it's – to, to borrow a Reggie Jacksonism, it's Howard's the straw that stirs the drink here. And it, it's if you've got Howard in that mix, he makes Byron Jones better. Uh, and really, he really upgrades that, that nickel spot uh, as far as Miami goes. You bet. And just looking at the chat here, a few things here. Um, question about uh, Landon Roberts. Yeah, Landon Roberts, I think, will... will I don't think he'll make the roster or he'll be on PUP. Trill Williams, I think, will gain some weight and actually start challenging for the linebacker spot. Um, let's see, what else? Got to, we've got a lot of great questions here. And or, or great questions and great, uh, great statements here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, DJ Fluker, um, can he beat out Liam Eichenberg? or Austin Jackson for a starting job a question asked by hammer and hammer. Thanks for your donation there. Uh, I, I don't think Austin Jackson's spot is, is up for grabs or up for competition at this point. We're in real trouble if it is at the left tackle spot, but at right tackle, maybe. Uh, but I, I see that competition at right tackle being more of a three-way competition between Jesse Davis, um, Liam Eikenberg, and maybe they go back to Robert Hunt on that too. Oh, uh, question about Lemuel Jean-Pierre. Okay, I'm going to throw that your way because I, I literally haven't watched enough of the guy. Um, I, I wish uh, I wish the Dolphins would stop hiring offensive line coaches every year. That, that That's my response to that. I remember him when he was in the league. Um, he was a undrafted free agent, and he played for the Seahawks, and he played for the Lions too. That's right. Uh, he's, he was a very, he was a very crafty undersized zone blocking type of type of player. So it's an interesting connection between that and, and these, these dolphins offensive linemen who are all six, five, three forty. But uh, I know he's a younger guy and that's kind of what Flores is looking for in his coaching staff. But this offensive line, I'm telling you is going to make or break the season. Um, if this is still an offensive line that cannot block most effectively, um, or, or can't pass protect all that well, which I don't think they did that much last year. I, I don't think they were great in pass protection. Those routes are not going to develop downfield. Two is not going to have the protection, and things could get really bad really quickly. So Jean-Pierre is a very big um, very big part of that and how his offensive line performs. Uh, Paul, moving along here, one of the most intriguing competitions that we're going to see in preseason is – how does the wide receiver room actually stack out? Because like, like we've talked about, 
we have making the roster as locks. We've got Devontae Parker, we've got Jalen Waddle, and we've got uh, Will Fuller. And Fuller's out the first week, but um, and then the fourth guy we've got is Lynn Bowden. I, I just don't see any way that 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 he doesn't make the roster. But then you've got two, probably two other receivers that make the roster among Preston Williams, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Malcolm Perry, Mac Hollins. Of course, Isaiah Ford's back in the mix because he can't stay out of Miami ever. Well, uh, and you, you've got to put Robert Foster on that list as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Thank you. You definitely have to because he's got special teams ability. He played with two at Alabama, and uh, unlike average... Collins, he can play receiver as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, who do you give those two final wide receiver spots to? Well, and and one guy you've got to add. I hate that we have to add to the list, but they did give him a, a contract extension just two years ago before he sat out due to COVID. Alan Hearns, yeah, yeah, is Hearns. As much as I don't love it. Um, I think Hearns might be able to get traded for a very late round pick uh, or a conditional very late round pick uh, based on his history, as long as he can keep healthy. But at the end of the day, and people can hate on me all they want with the Preston Williams thing, I would give it to... I'd probably go Grant and Wilson at this point. Still. Uh, I, I like the explosive ability that they can add, and I I think... They'll only be better with the explosive ability that's on this roster. Yeah, I man, I go back and forth between a lot. I if Preston Williams has lost a step, he's out because he can't play in the slot. He gets hurt all the time. I'll say which which rubber band in his legs is going to snap this week. Yeah, that that's the unfortunate thing. Um, Albert Wilson. I mean, if if everything that's been talked about him is true, is that he has a great rapport with Tua. I think he's on the roster uh, and he's not, he took a pay cut. He's been bragging about how fresh that he is. And that when you set out a football for a year and you've had injury problems, you're only 29 years old, that helps. And not to mention Will Fuller's out the first week. I, I think he could very well make the roster. I've got to put him on there. Jakeem Grant, you know, I, I know a lot of people would like to see him go because of how poorly he played at receiver. I still say he's one of the best returners in the league right now and that's that's something I'd pay four million a year for. So anyway, if I had to guess, I'm gonna say Albert Wilson makes it, <coughs> Preston Williams makes it, and Mac Hollins makes it. Those are my three. And then Jakeem Grant and Malcolm Perry get cut. I'm gonna say though too, just speaking of the the Will Fuller thing, I think Foster's on the roster for week one. Um the reason why I don't think he and Hollins have the long term future with it is yes, Miami puts a precedent on special teams, but they've got special teams guys falling out of trees down there at this point uh, as as far as their roster goes. So it doesn't have to come from the wide receiver spot as far as their coverage unit goes. Absolutely. And we've got two other uh, units left here as far as, as competition. And running back will be interesting because, you know, Miles Gaskin is going to be the starter Malcolm Brown, the Dolphins signed, and then you've got to me, you know, let's let's even say Malcolm Brown is not completely a lock, even though I think he he probably is. The running back room after 
Miles Gaskin. You've got Malcolm Brown, Savan Ahmed, Patrick Laird, and Jared Dokes. You've also got Jordan Scarlett in there, who I've heard some pretty good things about. And he's a former fifth-round pick out of Florida. So he obviously had the physical skills to get drafted in the fifth round, which is not easy to do. Um, yeah, I, I think Malcolm Brown's the backup. And I, I still see Patrick Laird making the team. And Jared Doak's making the team too. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Savan Ahmed, even though he had two of the best, you know, pure running games for the Dolphins last year when he had over 100 yards against uh, what the Chargers and against the Patriots, you know, I, he doesn't have enough versatility for me. Uh, he, he, he's not good in the passing game. He doesn't block well, doesn't play special teams. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to be the odd man out. And he might well be. Um, <clears throat> and, the only reason I couldn't consider Malcolm Brown a lock, even with what they gave him, is <clears throat> what I like from Dokes as far as watching his tape. And <clears throat> the rep, the rapport that we've talked about this offseason that Patrick Laird and Tua showed with each other. Um, it, it's And Gaskin, other than the injuries, looked good last year. So as far as my locks go, like I said, I've got Gaskin, I've got Dokes. The fact that Dokes helps protect the quarterback, but can also affect the running and and receiving game. It's, yeah, it's a ton of fun there. So I'm curious to see how it shakes out behind the two of them. I I see Dokes making the team based on the skill set he brings to the team. Very good in pass protection at Cincinnati there. And, uh, yeah, I could see it. Uh, I wouldn't call him a lock very simply because he was drafted so late. He was one of the final picks of the draft. Um but I, I think we're splitting hairs at that point, too. Um, yeah, I was going to say, they, they, they've they they've gotten a lot of late-round running backs over the past six or seven years with Greer in, in some capacity that they've hung on to at least to see if they could shake out the way they wanted to, even when folks didn't see it. It's guys like Gaskin, guys like um, um, uh, Ahmed, guys like uh, Jay Ajayi, um, who they got in the fifth round a few years back. You know, it, it's and and that's where I can see them hanging on. And, and like you said about Jordan Scarlett, it, it the the impact that he's made already, the way he's impressed pressed the other players and coaching staff. I can't put anybody behind Gaskin and Dokes as a lock at this point because there there are arguments for and against any of them. But the way that Dokes pass blocks, at the very least, while still being able to impact the other aspects of the game, is why I've got him as a lock. Uh, SoFlo Sports in our chat actually brought up a very, uh, very good point about Jakeem Grant. Four mil for a return specialist while the whole Xavier Howard situation is still unresolved. Uh, how about this? They bring Jakeem Grant back and you have, in my opinion, the best punt returner in the league. And you bring back Xavier Howard and give him a raise and you find the money somewhere else. That would be my solution on that. I, I and for people that say it's not that easy, yeah, I, no, no, I think it is. If if Xavier Howard is not asking for twenty two or twenty three million a year, so but thank you uh, for bringing that up. That's a really good point. Uh, so last one, cat. Last one, um, tight end. And cat. <laughs> before we dive into that, I just want to say real quick because I I know we promised we'd, we'd say something about it every episode. Uh, aside from guys, make sure you click like, make sure you guys subscribe. We appreciate all the support we've got from you guys. I know we're going to be hitting our stride here real soon. Outside of that, 
Dolphins NYC is has their huge, huge, huge MetLife takeover where they raise thousands of dollars for charity. Uh, you get to sit with a ton of other Dolphins fans out there. I'll be at that. We're still trying to convince Cat to come up one of these years. Um, you know, Joe, Joe Rose does his show from the tailgate. Uh, Tom Garfinkel comes out. A lot of the beat writers that I know a lot of you guys follow do come out there to the tailgate. Uh, a couple years ago, they had the Marx Brothers out there. They've had tons and tons of ex-players. Nat Moore's out there every year. Uh, it, it's a really, really good time. Uh, and, and make sure you guys head over to DolphinsNYC.com, which we have down in our, our, our show notes, to check that out. Um, and come say hi if, if you see me out there. Absolutely. Again, one year I'm gonna I'm gonna get out there. Um, you know, some of us Midwesterners we uh, we don't like to leave the house very often. So uh, you know, going to New York is uh, that's a big thing for us. Now, I, I actually went to New York a couple years ago for WrestleMania, uh, and I, I look forward to going to New York again one of these days. You're definitely for the MetLife takeover, and uh, I encourage anybody to go up there, get a hotel room for the night. Go go to the Jets game, root for the Dolphins because you'll. We need you during that game, and and it's it's become a huge story so many times after the game, where you hear more Dolphins fans than Jets fans. That warms my heart when that happens. Finally, Paul, last uh, last position, and this wouldn't even be a subject to conversation, and the show would already be over if the Dolphins didn't draft Hunter Long in the third round from Boston College. Look, I've come around a little bit more on the Hunter Long pick. He's obviously a lock to make the team. I still maintain, I don't think there's a big difference between him and an Adam Shaheen or a Durham Smythe. But that's where we are. Gesicki's a lock. Hunter, Hunter Long is a lock. That leaves a competition. In my opinion, you've got two tight ends who are going to make the roster um, after Gesicki and Hunter Long. And it's a three-way competition between Durham Smythe Adam Shaheen and Seth and Carter. I'll throw it to you on that. Who, who do you think gets the final two seats? I mean, like I said, I've got Kasicki and I've got Long as my my starters. Uh, I'm gonna go. I think Seth and Carter because despite your hatred and your 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 belligerence, cat, I think Miami really wants to have fullback flexibility and be able to slide the guy out to a tight end at, at times. And that's where I think Seaton Carter makes the roster. And as much as I like Durham Smythe, I think he potentially gets moved. If not, I think he gets cut, and I think they keep Shaheen. Um, like I said, as much as I like Smythe. I'm 100% with you on that. And it, look, it's not that I don't like tight ends that double as fullbacks and give that look from time to time. It's number one, fullbacks are not people. Let's get that straight. And uh, number two, facts um, <laughs> are not. Be- I crack myself up sometimes. Um, but Seaton Carter is going to make the roster. Uh, I, I, in my opinion, because look, there was one player signed as a free agent on day one of free agency for the Dolphins. It was Seaton Carter. That doesn't necessarily mean he was the top priority of free agency, but they they targeted him for a reason, and they got him under contract for a reason, and. They gave him two point seven million dollars in guaranteed money to play fullback and special teams, and he's got some versatility. and And you know uh, that you know if, if they targeted him on day one of free agency, pretty important to him. And they re-signed Adam Shaheen. They signed him to a contract extension last year. So Durham Smythe 
I think he's kind of maybe in that Jakeem Grant boat where if you got rid of both of them, you'd be saving five or six million dollars combined with both of them. So I think Durham Smythe is out. You can save two point one million by cutting him. And if I'm another team, I, I think they're crazy for not picking up the phone and calling the Dolphins, offering a seventh round pick for him so that they can have a really good second tight end for a year. Yeah, no, I I think Smythe and Shaheen are both movable. I don't think there are any anybody that's going to move the sticks as far as that draft pick position goes. But Miami has had a lot of success with fifth through seventh round picks in the past few years, so it, it's it still could add a lot of value to this roster for the future while still cementing the roster the way you'd like to at this point. Um, and we have a big old tease in our chat talking about Wilkins at fullback, and Kat, I know as much as you hate the fullback position, you hate it even more that I want to stuff defensive linemen and offensive linemen into the backfield and start slamming it down people's throats. Yeah, I mean, you can put anybody you want in there on at Jesse first, Davis, first and back. goal at the one. I mean, I, I don't care. You could put a mannequin back there, first and goal at the one. I mean, <laughs> who cares? Like, it's 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 me, it's not a thing. Yeah, put Seath and Carter back there. I don't care. I mean, Jesse Davis, I, maybe Jesse. Yeah, Davis. yeah, that, I'm fine with that too. And it, it, to me, it's all about style points at that point. Jesse um, Davis and Christian Wilkins in the power eye for Jared Dokes. Yeah, Scotty Joe twenty two said fullbacks are great. Remember, Forty Niners Tommy Rathman. Look, I have respect for throwback fullbacks in the seventies and the eighties. I do, but it's twenty twenty. I want fast, athletic players not some lumbering jackass coming out of the backfield. Yep. Um, I hope when you come to the MetLife Takeover, some of the Dolphins alumni that come out are uh, <laughs> Fires, uh, Deion Dyer, uh, you know, and, and Rob Conrad. Rob Conrad, they'll, they'll, line up, they'll line up one by one to smack me in the face. I'll be like, hey, this I guy hates fullbacks. And I'll put it on video. We'll, we'll put it on our YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, ABAB and Chad too said uh, Dokes can play fullback. He might be able to. I mean, if he's got he's, he's got the size, he's got the short area ability, and yeah, I mean it, it, that versatility it, it it proves my point. You could put anybody at fullback. We just discussed four positions that can play fullback here, so you don't need to carry one on your roster. So Carl Tucker, sorry, you're not going to make the roster. Anyway, that's going to do it. For our show here on the Fin side, be sure to follow Brian Cat NFL and Fanatic underscore Pick. Uh, be sure to check out all of our social media outlets as well: Facebook, Twitter, as well as the uh, FinFanatic.com website and the Fan Sided Network as well. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.